2: Yes, Guy, episode 115, Yes, Guy 115, all ready to roll. Coming up in the broadcast very shortly, Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star. We'll have Don Padula, the TSN Edge co-founder, stopping by. A naturopath doctor, Dr. Carolyn Gonzalez, to help you stay healthy. And later on, we're going to play Yes, Guy, No, Guy with Frankie C. The topic is playing hurt. If you are an experienced real estate agent, you should add a distinct advantage and comprehensive value. Contact Charles Park Managing Broker, Remax, Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. Call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview. Or contact him via email: charlespark@remax.net. Master your game strategy with Fox Forty Coaching Boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for fifteen percent off your order. Go to foxfortyshop.com. Guest number one, Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star. Dave, welcome. How are you today, sir? Doing great. Thanks, Jim. So, you know, I have this theory about teams, you know, mostly based on fan support. So everybody has in their their portfolio five or six teams they follow. And for our purposes, I'm going to reduce it because we're in Toronto to Leafs, Raptors, and Jays. And I'm going to take the exercise back exactly 31 years because that'll include two Jays World Series championships – that one Raptors win and nothing for the Leafs, so that adds up to Dave. Are you ready for this? Ninety years of fan support and three titles—not very good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no guy, that's a definite no guy. Very tough, tough
0: sledding. I mean, obviously well, the Leafs are in a category of their own, which is which is historic—not only in Toronto, but obviously throughout the National Hockey League with the longest Stanley Cup drought and the in history, and then of course the longest playoff series drought uh, that's currently. Uh, underway, so that's a different category but look i mean if if there's a team of those three that looks like it could be on the precipice of returning to its glory days, it's got to be the blue jays right they they were the only team in that conversation that's got two titles uh, and to me, they're the team that looks closest to having a team that could to get another one.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And you know, each one of these teams has their own, you know, their own salary situation, their own uh business plan, and, and their own agenda. I'm sure all three of them want to win a championship, but but there are things that get in the way. And I I might equate the Jays to the Leafs in this respect. That as they add players and get closer to the top, there's always a couple of teams in front of them that seem to be just a little a little bit better than they are. And it's it's a it's like an arms race. It's it's tough to contend with that, isn't it?
0: Well, that's been the story of their existence. You know, you go back to in the post-90s era when they were taken over by J.P. Uh, Ricciardi, the general manager. I mean, he, he would often bellyache about the, the toughness of being in the American League East against the, the Giants of the sport and the Yankees and the Red Sox. And one's not good, the other generally is. And then, of course, you've got the Tampa sneaking in there and becoming this juggernaut that does it without all the money somehow again and again and again. And it doesn't make it easier. Now the excuse has kind of been, you know, a little bit light. or the excuse has been built in when you build in extra playoff spots, you expand the playoffs. It, and it to me, it's become this thing where they should definitely make the playoffs. It's now it's about do they have what it takes to advance in the playoffs. Obviously, we saw that they didn't uh, in their most recent run. We won't even mention eight one. But look, this is this is a team that should be a, a playoff no brainer, barring major major atrocities happening on their roster uh, and now it's really about can they can they be one of those teams that figures out how to win when it matters in October
2: yeah, that that's the ultimate question because I, I think that uh, when you look at the Blue Jays, um, there's a, a large percentage of the fan base that would go with roll the dice and bring somebody big in and 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 try and ride this thing out to, like bring it to a head, as opposed to piece by piece, year by year, which is what the Jays seem to be willing to do. I don't know what the I don't know what the correct answer is, but but there is some fan base frustration, isn't there? There always
0: is, right? But it, this is the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, Jim. Is is take a team that's good. And take them to great, right that's that's the thing the Leafs have been trying to do. They've been a good regular season team, haven't been able to become a good playoff team that's that's one step now the you know the Blue Jays have become a playoff team that hasn't been able to become a really good playoff team or a great playoff team. And there is that philosophical debate, right like we we remember when you know that that story about when Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins first took over this club, and there was that sort of you know whatever it was gossip out of the front office that they had scolded. Um, Alex Anthopoulos for selling the farm uh, in pursuit of the ultimate glory uh, in those really heady days of of 2015, 2016. When, when, when Alex Anthopoulos was kind of won over to the idea of, you know, analytics are important, but chemistry is also important and you need a good mix in the locker room. And sometimes you got to pay for that. And sometimes that means liquidating some serious assets to bring in big names, which of course they did. But look, I mean, we sort of see the business plan under Mark Shapiro, and I do think it's, it's more of us about sustainability, right? They talk about team, having players under team control, about sustainable contention and being in the mix every year. And you know, when you throw 300 million bucks plus into a renovation of your stadium, and you are spending money, like this is a team that spends money, they're going to be in that competitive balance tax for the first time this season uh, in, in franchise history. So you can't say they're not spending. Uh, It really does come down to the philosophy of of the upper management and whether or not they want to go what we sometimes kind of term as all in, and they've wanted to veer away from that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm going to call it corporate agenda or ownership agenda, which comes from the very top of each organization. I find that the Leafs and and uh, Jays are are somewhat similar. And you you identified this earlier. In the past, the Jays would have to plow through Boston, and the Yankees had spent an inordinate amount of money. And then there was Tampa who did it without money and, and sort of uh, uh, you know got in the Jays' way, you know, beating the Jays at their own game for the Leafs it's Tampa Bay and Boston now who, who get in their way. I mean, these teams are loaded. The The Leafs can do whatever they want. They always seem to come up to be a player too short and, and can't get out of the first round. So there's similar frustration in the marketplace that way. And I'm going to tie the Raptors and Jays together this way. Uh, the Jays, you know, because it's only 31 years, you want to go back to those back-to-back World Series championships. And for the Raptors, it's only, uh, what, four years now. You want to go yeah. back. There's sort of a, a grace period after you win a, a title that you think you can get back to that. And so they're they're all sort of they're all knitted together somehow, aren't they?
0: Oh, they are for sure. You're right. They're, like there's there's a grace period when you win a title, and there's a grace period when you rebuild. And look, I mean, everybody in town wanted to buy into the Santa plan, right? And and they were willing to give Brendan Shanahan and whoever he brought in all the time in the world to to figure out how to build kind of what Mark Shapiro was building in tr- with the Blue Jays, like a sustainably competitive team. It's the exact same kind of agenda. Shanahan talked about we didn't want to, we don't want a team that can compete once for the Stanley Cup. We want a team that can compete for the Stanley Cup year after year after year. Uh, obviously, in the model of that Detroit, that great Detroit team that, that Shanahan was a part of in the early 2000s, that that was so tough to beat and was you know you know made the playoffs so many years in a row and was always or often in the conversation as being one of the best teams in the league. So, but it's it's interesting how uh, you know. I think people in this town, you know, given Shanahan an incredibly long leash, like this will be nine years that he's been in the city and they still haven't won a playoff series. It's funny how with Masai Ujiri having won the championship of 2019, you do get a sense that the the championship honeymoon is coming to an end, if not over, right? Like people are, yeah. are getting antsy here. And this, I think part of it was about managing expectations. Like the the, the Raptors did not manage expectations. Well, or, they overestimated the ability of their team because they certainly with all the I remember being there on the opening day of training camp and all the optimism about being better than last year when they won 48 games and gave the Philadelphia 76ers a little bit of a scare in that first round uh, it just is not coming to fruition it's just not working out for the raptors they're not going to be better than that 48 win team they're going to be you know hard up to make the play in and you know that that idea that they would easily be a top 6 seed and avoid the play in that's getting more distant with every game here. So it's, uh, it's, tough. It's, tough to, it's tough to please people. I understand that. But I think a lot of it comes down to the, the expectations that you set. And Shanahan, for all whatever you want to talk about, his philosophy about building a team, he's been a master at convincing the right people that they're on the right track, even if there's really no evidence that they are in the playoff mix.
2: Okay, a couple things you said there. Uh, Going to the topic of roster voids. Uh, so roster voids for the Leafs. You're talking about Shanahan and Detroit. Detroit struggled until they got Brendan Shanahan, the player, and and he seemed to push them over the top. When you look at the Leafs roster, what they need is Brendan Shanahan Jr. and and that would be <laughs> the missing piece. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, that's you know it's a it's a great it's a great point, Jim, and I think it's it's one that's been made uh, to me by many, many hockey lifers over the years. And, and there's a surprise element that people say they can't believe that Brennan Shanahan hasn't kind of insisted that that be a part of his team. And, and maybe it is like, look, in one, in one sense, it's almost unrealistic because Brennan Shanahan, the player, if you're looking for the reasonable facsimile in the modern game, I mean, a he's a all of famer uh, who was a prolific goal scorer and, you know, not afraid to drop the gloves and, and do whatever is necessary physically to win games. Um, you know, I think Shanahan would make the point that the game has changed. That there just aren't players like that, or certainly not many of them around in in, in the uh, in the National Hockey League at this point, because a fighting's been all but eradicated from the game, and and the other point being that players today just don't grow up the same way. The the, the physicality just isn't a part of the game, especially at the minor hockey level and even in the junior level, which is, is not particularly physical. So, um, he, you know, Shanahan, I think, would argue, not to put words in his mouth, that that, that player doesn't exist. But, but I think we all agree that there, there still are elements of intimidation and unpredictability and just general toughness that do exist and are important in the playoffs. We've seen it with the Tampa team that's been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. They're not doing it on skill alone. They're not doing it on finesse alone. A lot of it is, you know, tough trench work, so to speak, where you, you score difficult goals and you, and you fight difficult battles. And and I think the Leafs have lacked that. Now, they've tried to bring it in with, with Ryan O'Reilly and, and, you know, Noah Lashari and, and guys of that ilk who've been in the playoff battles and, and have that experience. And we'll see if, if the nibbling around the edges, which they've been doing for a long time, uh, is enough to supplement a core that, frankly, has proven again and again that it's just it's just not, you know, not able to do what needs to be done when, you know, the, the, the chips are down and the game is on the line at the most important moment.
2: Okay, Dave, let's move that roster void to the Raptors. And clearly when you see the addition of Pirtle, you realize that they played two-thirds of the season without any kind of big presence and how that wore everybody down. And I guess the ultimate question comes out of that is, why would you go through, why would you start a season with that kind of a void on your roster, knowing that it's going to just, uh, the battle of attrition on, on your, the, your starting five would be just awesome?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Right. There was this, this it was you could argue you can argue it's it's a major blind spot from the front office that they that they allowed it to happen, that they convinced themselves that they could have that roster void and be successful. And I guess, look, it's it's wonderful to think that you can reinvent the wheel, right, that you that you're smart enough to say this is the way basketball is going and we are going to be the leaders in you know rewriting the way you build a contending team in this league, that you don't need the traditional positions that you can have so-called traditional basketball and, or, or positionless basketball. And that, that's a great thing to think. And I, I do think ultimately we might get there, but, but we're not there right now. You still need – call the positions what you want. You call them one through five. You call it point guard through center. You still need players to do tasks on the floor. Like you need rim protection – So whether it's going to be one of your six foot nine guys in project six foot nine uh, or not, you need somebody to protect the rim so that you don't get straight line drive after straight line drive to the basket uh, in the way that happens way too often uh, for the, for the Toronto Raptors, especially in the, in the pre-Yaka Pearl uh, era. And you you need rebounding, you need physicality, you know, you need a way to stop the the opposition from, you know, absolutely tearing you apart, uh, you know, in the paint and on the perimeter and, and they just, you know, they just haven't had that. Like they've been one of the worst defensive teams in the league as measured by opposing field goal percentage all year. They've just made it too easy for their opponents uh, on, on a number of levels. And, uh, and that's, and that's obviously hurt them. And I think, you know, the acquisition of Perl was, was at least it was an acknowledgement by the front office. Although I would say it was an ill-timed one, because I don't understand why you would add, at a deadline when you'd be much better to subtract or, or uh, move on and acknowledge that this season is a lost one and, and, and improve your lottery odds in a draft that has so many tantalizing talents, including the top two who, are, who are, have a chance to be franchise-altering players. Um, but that aside, at least, at least the Pearl acquisition was an acknowledgement that, yeah, maybe we're, maybe we're not as smart as we think we are and that we, we can use a, a traditional center who performs those tasks that we just don't have anybody else to perform.
2: Dave, we'll leave it at the Jays. Give us our best chance. Thanks very much.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Have a great day.
2: <laughs> you too. Thank you. A distinct advantage and comprehensive value are important ads for any experienced real estate agent. That's what Charles Park Managing Broker, Remax Realty Services Incorporated brokerage, has waiting for you. Offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive mentoring and coaching, call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview or contact him via email charlespark at net. Check out the Fox 40 Titan. In a sleek titanium body, the Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium, gold, or matte black. Go to fox40shop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 877 or visit his website, BraleyAdvisors.com with 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors, Incorporated. Be prepared on the ice with the Fox 40 hockey products like the Fox 40 Call, Fox 40 Superforce CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. And now from TSN Edge headquarters, the co-founder lead producer, Dom Padula, is here. Dom, welcome. How are you today, sir?
3: I'm doing great. Good to be on the show.
2: Our pleasure to have you. So you are a co-founder. So tell us how TSN Edge came to be.
3: So uh, about three years ago now, I was working in the newsroom sports center for TSN, uh, producer there. Uh, and and one of the things that we noticed was with the um, spread of legalized sports betting across the United States, ESPN had really invested in their sports betting content. And it was something that we were really drawn to. You know, we always had conversations, you know, who, who's the best team in the NHL? Give me your top five Stanley Cup contenders. Um, the sports betting markets gave us something to measure those arguments against. So it was sort of a moderator, sort of a, a, another um, measuring stick that we can use. And, and that's where the real attraction to it came from, um, being able to quantify Um, a lot of the debates that that we were having on our own and and being exposed to in the sports media landscape. Um, And so once we started to kind of take a look at what they were doing um, and and really sort of understanding the different markets and how we could present that information to the viewers, we started to look at um, the prospect of legalized sports betting coming to Canada. Uh, Obviously, it's been uh, legal in Ontario for almost a year now. Um, But at the time, it was really considered something that wasn't inevitable um, to happen here. It was something that we had discussed, you know, how do we incorporate sports betting into our storytelling, Um, you know, being able to quantify how, what's the biggest upset of the night Um, is how big of a Cinderella story is this really uh, when it comes to a tournament like the March Madness. Um, So we start to have those conversations, um I was uh, at the time working a lot with Davis Sanchez, our NFL analyst, and he was uh, very much interested in that type of storytelling when it came to the NFL and the CFL. and um, you know we we got together uh, a small group of us, it was myself, Davis and Brett Bailey, our senior producer, um, and we talked about just you know how do we take uh, the sports betting storytelling to another level with TSN even in advance of legalized sports betting in Ontario and so, we came up with the concept of TSN Edge and uh, how it would complement our storytelling and SportsCenter uh, initially. And then we started to grow. Um, we were able to, uh, you know, do a little bit more in terms of our storytelling and live broadcasts and, and on uh, TSN.ca. And and then, you know, before long, uh, really, it was only about, uh, about a year and a half that we were around. We realized that legalized sports betting was coming to Ontario. Um, and so then... <laughs> What well, started as a small sort of project became a much bigger deal. Um, and then it wasn't before long that we, uh, we uh, had legalized sports betting in Ontario. Uh, we ended up with a uh, partnership with FanDuel for TSN. Um, and here we are now about uh, three years after we started with a, uh, a, a much bigger platform than uh, I think a lot of people ever thought we would have when we first got started.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to you speak there, Dom. It's it's like, um, you know, some of this stuff was, was already there, like the, the, there's the fantasy world. Uh, and so, you know, the, the process of, of fantasy and, and betting is, is somewhat similar, I would suspect. And, and you know, the, the general conversations that people have after games, um, when you apply wagering to it, there's, there's almost like a set of facts or, or a trail goes with the conversation that maybe people didn't access before. Would you agree with that?
3: absolutely I, I couldn't agree with that more and you also get the uh, you know the the other aspect of it is just in watching how the odds react in the marketplace so I'll give you an example like I mean if, if you're talking about fantasy do I start this guy player a or player b um, and and you look at okay what what is his odds to score tonight okay well this guy's more likely to score tonight than the other guy based on these odds and oh okay so what about the number of bets that have been placed on both people? Okay, well, what if I told you that there's been six times more bets on player A to score versus player B to score? Okay, so now I know that player A is already considered more likely to score by the odds makers that set the lines for this, and they're paying closer attention than anyone else because they have an actual marketplace for that. Not only that, but since they established this market, player A has received six times more bets to score than player B. So what I'm setting my fantasy line up if I want to take their input, I'm going to go with player A. And so um, that's like the smallest possible scale. But I, I, that was one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it in the first place was I was always a big fantasy guy, and I really liked playing DFS at the time, um, daily fantasy sports. And I understood the correlation between um, the information that the bettors were using to place their bets and the information that I would rely on to set my fantasy lineup. And, and really, they go one, two, and I still – use a lot of fantasy websites when it comes to evaluating a lot of um, the bets that I want to place and vice versa. So there's definitely a very strong correlation there.
2: It's interesting to watch uh, the change. And, and so the, the betting, when the, when the door opens, it's like a wave. Hits the broadcast industry, and it's all over the place, and, and that's, that's part of a process. What I am absolutely uh, enthralled with or, or really attracted to is, is the live odds during the course of a game, just because that, that's an engaging part of the game, whether, whether you're wagering or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's a relevant fact to, to what you're watching. I, I find that very intriguing. How about yourself?
3: Uh, absolutely, and and look, the the way we consume, uh, you know, as a general public has changed over the years. We don't just buy things anymore; we buy experiences, and that's something that is really driving the sports betting landscape. Is the experience of you can place your bet before the game and then sit and watch it play out, or as you're watching the game, if you have any opinion or insight or, or you feel like you have a lean either way, you can look at a live market and you could place a bet during the actual game and then watch it as it plays out to add to the experience of the game. And I think when you look at it's not just your favorite sport. I mean, maybe there's you know a basketball game on and you're a big hockey fan and you're not necessarily drawn to actually watching the basketball game, but hey, you I'm going to sit down and watch the game and and I'm going to uh, place a bet before before the tip off. And then as I watch it play out, I'm going to go through the experience of what it's like to live bet a game. And and for somebody that might not necessarily be the biggest basketball fan, I find that a lot of people, when they go through that experience um and, and they enjoy it and it's a pleasant one, they, they come back and say, hey, I've been watching more basketball than I've ever watched before. Um, those are real conversations that I've had. So... I think it, it really comes down to the experience and adding to it. And look, these leagues are embracing it. They understand that, you know, they're going to do everything possible in order to enhance the experience. And if it's a positive one and it adds the entertainment value, then I think it's a win-win across the board.
2: I don't know. If there's an answer to this question, but but with uh, the leagues involved, um, with scrutiny on officiating, uh, with injuries, with sitting out people for possible trades, I wonder how all that works. You know, when you're funneling into betting, it, because some of it would seem to be a, a contradiction.
3: Well, absolutely, and and well, what what you're doing is, I mean, nobody has a bigger pulse on these uh, transactions, whether it's injury updates or players resting. I know that's a big thing in the NBA. Nobody has. Uh, a bigger pulse on, a finger on the pulse than these sports books. And so, you know, we'll see uh, the news come down and right away, instantaneously almost, we'll see movement. We'll even sometimes see movement in the sports betting markets before the news becomes official. If there's a, a tip or a lean or an expectation that a player might sit on the second half of a back-to-back, that's already based into some of the odds for these games. So in terms of the actual process, sometimes we find out uh, through the movement of those lines from sportsbooks before the actual injury news is actually announced, and that's a fascinating aspect of it.
2: Uh, in terms of you know a year into this, what kind of tweaking have you had to do, or have you had to do any?
3: Uh, not much, uh, not much tweaking actually. I mean, we were pretty prepared for what was coming. Uh, our expectation was that uh, when when legalized sports betting came to Ontario, we would, would want to operate a certain way. So, from the very beginning, when we were establishing uh, our department here at TSN, we we knew what we wanted to do, and it's been pretty seamless so far. Obviously, we have a, a very good relationship with our partner FanDuel, and um, you know we we've learned the ins and outs of their industry, and they've really helped us along with you know what their goals are here and and uh, creating different markets in order to uh, add to the entertainment value and excitement, and, and we worked hand in hand to build a lot of quality content in this first year since they launched back in April. So um, we haven't had to do much tinkering, but uh, th- the evolution of this industry is uh, is not on pause, so I expect that there's going to be a lot of new things in the next uh, couple of years as as we really try to make this uh, a complete experience for sports bettors.
2: Dom, tell us about Morning Coffee, your daily column. Yeah, every day, tsn.ca slash edge, you
3: could read the Morning Coffee. Uh, a lot of the biggest sports betting stories of the day. Uh, I like to sort of recap some of the biggest ones from the night before and then uh, look ahead to some of the biggest stories coming that day. Obviously, uh, you know, last night we had a, a FanDuel best bet, which is JT Miller over two and a half uh, shots on goal that cash. So, you know, you kind of like... When you watch the game and you got that bet and he goes, on, scores two goals, including the overtime winner, it makes it a lot more fun. So you come back the next morning, you sort of recap the day before and then look ahead to tonight. And there's a fan best bet uh, for, for each night's games. Um, and then it's just something to sort of set the day. Like if, if you're new to sports betting or you're an experienced better, it's sort of a reset each morning. Like here's where we left off last night, here's where we are this morning. Um, and then, you know, there we go for for the rest of the day. So it's become a staple Monday to Friday at tsn.ca slash edge, and um, I have a lot of fun writing it, so I hope that uh, it'll continue for a very long time.
2: Dom, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it.
3: Appreciate you. Thank you very
2: much. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 734 3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter, funeral directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Homeowners are first-time buyers if you're considering purchasing, refinancing if your mortgage is coming up for renewal. Talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTG Dean. Go to DeanRomani.com or give him a call at 416 885 1761 a master your game strategy with fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball hockey football and more use the code yes at checkout for 15 percent off your order go to fox40shop.com now we're going to get healthy we're going to bring in dr carolyn gonzalez at naturopath doctor and i have to be transparent here my naturopath doctor dr carolyn how are you today
4: i'm doing well jim thanks so much for having me i'm excited to join you today
2: our pleasure uh so we want to get healthy here and one of the very first things you and i talked about was the stress of living i mean we are literally too busy aren't we
4: yes i would definitely say i mean even before the pandemic but especially after the pandemic Stress is definitely a huge reason that people are coming in to see me with various different symptoms uh, relating to their health. And so whether it's headaches or digestive issues or trouble sleeping, we can often trace a lot of those symptoms back to the stress system and how it's functioning. And essentially, we're overly stressed and not recovering enough.
2: Yeah, and probably just not thinking about the little things that we can do to to help that. Just because you get caught up in, in uh, you don't to call it the rat race or the treadmill, but but it does sort of perpetuate more trouble. So well, let's get into one of the, the big topics that you'll see a lot of advertisement and a lot of talk on various commercials and, and in print and in social media. It's called gut health, uh, which is kind of important. Uh, mm. Take us through what, what that might be.
4: Yeah, so the digestive system, you know, when we're looking at from a naturopathic perspective, what uh, the health sphere might look like and why someone might be having symptoms, we always want to try and and locate the root cause, like what's really underneath those symptoms. And often the gut is part of that root cause. So we really want to make sure that the gut is functioning optimally This is, of course, for digesting our food and absorbing our nutrients. And so we want to make sure that that gut health is in a really good optimal state. Now, so many people suffer with symptoms relating to digestion, and they've had them for so long that sometimes they actually become quite used to feeling unwell when they eat. And so patients might come in with, let's say, bloating and we talk about it and they just kind of say, it's like, yeah, it's like an everyday thing. It's, I've become used to it. I just take Tums or I take pepto Bismol, and I move on with my day. And I describe to them that that's actually not a normal symptom. It's common, but it's not normal. And there's things that we can do to, again, locate the cause of that bloating. Why is it there? And then also treat it, figure out how we can get rid of that.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you went down that road because it's almost like I think everybody has um, family sort of traits or or lifestyle traits that are forced on you by by what you're doing and and you sort of dismiss them. You should always listen to your body. So just because somebody else in your family might might have, you know, a, a gut problem and you sort of write that off as a family thing, it's not the thing to do, is it?
4: Absolutely, Jim. You know, it's funny that um, you mentioned that. Just yesterday, I was speaking with a patient about this. She has in her family a long line of diabetes, and she's in her mid-40s, and she's kind of just accepted that eventually she's going to be diabetic. And I explained to her that, you know, diabetes, amongst many other chronic conditions, are mostly lifestyle-related. And so even if there is a genetic component, it's not the biggest component. It's often the lifestyle, uh, the actual lifestyle that we live that makes the biggest difference. So when it comes to gut health, I think it's similar. If someone has uh, some sort of illness or some sort of chronic illness to do with the gut, we really want to examine how much of the lifestyle factor can we look at here? What can we look at in terms of diet? Uh, How can we look at uh, the way that you're eating? And I say the way you're eating because many of us eat in a stressed way, meaning we're rushed, or we're working while we're eating, we're multitasking, we're trying to do several things, or we're skipping meals. And so this is going to affect how our digestion functions day to day.
2: One of the key topics that you see a lot of coverage on, social media especially, but also in television ads and radio ads, is is the biotics. Um, Auntie, I think we understand what that's for, but pre and mm-hmm. pro. Can you take us through what, they, what, what the relevance of, of, of pre and pro are?
4: Sure, yeah. So probiotics are basically... Uh, bugs that live in our gut. We actually have more bugs in our gut than we do cells in our entire body. So it's a very important component of our internal ecology. And there is this balance that we're you know, designed to have between the good bugs and the bad bugs. Now, often things like antibiotics, which wipe out bacteria, Uh, Unfortunately, we'll wipe out not just the bad ones, but the good ones as well. And for many, that can be the beginning stages of something called dysbiosis. And it's a really fancy word, meaning this imbalance between the good and bad bacteria. So the probiotics are often something that we have to work at replenishing, uh, especially if We are able to do this through food, fermented food in the diet. You know, if we have things like yogurt or kefir or kimchi, sauerkraut, these are good examples of fermented foods. And, you know, this is something, these foods used to be really, really common in terms of traditional diets. And they've really, they're making a comeback. But for a little while there, they were really kind of lost in terms of a regular diet. And so that affected our balance between good and bad bacteria. Now, the prebiotics are actually the fiber in the diet that feeds those good bacteria. And so we need the good bacteria, but we also need the food sources for them. And the fiber that typically feeds them the most or the best come from plant-based foods. So if you're optimizing your diet with more vegetables, you're getting more fiber in your diet, you're likely to really affect that uh, biosis or that good bacteria in a really good, healthy, positive way.
2: So, and again, with the probiotics, you know, they're in various substances. You, you talked about uh, some of them there, and yogurt is, uh, people would say, well, I'll just have a, a tub of yogurt, but I mean, uh, how much do we need? Uh, because <laughs> when, you, when you look at the capsules, there's billions, and I, I can't imagine there's billions in a cup of yogurt.
4: You're right. It depends on, you know, truthfully, it depends on what we're treating, and the research with probiotics with respect to probiotics is really expanding right now. It's becoming much more... Um, commonplace to find research studies that are linking certain strains of bugs to particular uh, effects that we want. And so the amounts that we need depends on the start points of that gut, so where that person's gut health is, um, and then also what we're trying to treat. Um, But generally speaking, you know, yogurt, especially commercially prepared yogurt with lots of sugar and additives and and different uh, components that may not be so good for the gut, Uh, it probably is not an adequate source of these good probiotics. Many people do often uh, have some sort of supplemental support, again, with more specific strains that we're trying to accomplish specific goals with.
2: Now, uh, if somebody was thinking or listening to this going, so I should go see an ND, I mean, you're not just going for your stomach. This is the whole picture, isn't it?
4: It is. So it's a real, like a complete overhaul in terms of looking at your entire body system all the physical symptoms and systems but also the mental emotional as well Uh, we mentioned stress at the beginning of the conversation and so the stress piece can affect the physicals quite a bit Um, and so we don't separate those we actually integrate them and I feel like that's the best way to get a complete sense of someone's overall health Uh, and also gives us some more insight into what treatments would be appropriate right so if stress is the main route then we want to look at that stress piece as a major treatment goal. Um, if, if the diet is a major component, then we want to look at that diet as a major treatment goal. Uh, and for many, if we're looking at, you know, a complete care system, uh, they're having trouble doing that at this point because that's not necessarily how the conventional model looks at the body. So looking at, uh, at it from a naturopathic perspective, we're really going to look at everything, mind, body, everything is connected.
2: You know, it, it's interesting, uh, and we've had, obviously, many conversations over the years, but but a lot of this is, um, you know, it's sort of a piece-by-piece piece destruction. Uh, I'm not talking about what you're doing, but what we're doing to ourselves. And, and so you get caught in these these situations where you have to work, you have to provide, um, and, and you sort of uh, you compromise yourself first, which is an odd thing to do, isn't it?
4: It can be, yes. Like, you know, I recently traveled, and I was on the plane, and I took out the um, – safety card and, you know, they were doing the demonstration. And of course they said, your oxygen mask, if you need one, put one on yourself first before you put one on your loved ones. And I recognize that's important. We don't always recognize the importance of doing that in day-to-day life. Um, So I see this every day in my practice where people are just sort of pushing their way through uh, their day-to-day activities and routines. And the body is sort of an afterthought, or secondary thought. Um, Sadly, unfortunately, many people come in for care when they're in this more chronic state of symptoms. They've had these symptoms for a long time. They're really now starting to, it's starting to impact their day-to-day activity. So what I try to do is help people see the things that they can do in advance, be a little more proactive with their health, and learn to listen to their body in a position where it doesn't have to be sick to be listened to. It could be, you know, instead of a loud, uh, jarring, uh, loud um, scream, it could be a little whisper from the body that says, go to bed early or get some movement or "Take take a break, get some water in you. These little things can matter a lot.
2: Dr. Carolyn, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time.
4: Oh, me too. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been an honor.
2: Homeowners or first-time buyers, if you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to DeanRomani.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Well, let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors, let's start a conversation. Visit TurnerPorter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, No Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for Yes Guy, No Guy, and Yes Guy, the radio show. It does not get any more official than that. Frankie C., are you all set? Yes Guy. Uh, So the topic is playing hurt. Yes Guy, No Guy, number one, you have played hurt.
1: Yes Guy, many times throughout my career, unfortunately, and it's kind of the way things go. Sometimes you're in a, a spot where... You know, you get called up to the NHL and you really don't want to give up your position in the lineup because you know how hard it is to get there. And, um, you know, I've pushed myself through a a few too many instances where I've maybe played a little too hurt, Jimmy. You also would fall under this category. You're a broadcaster. You don't want to miss too many games. So, Jimmy, you've played under the weather.
2: Oh, many times, Guy, many times. And the interesting thing about when you're in broadcasting is before you get the count into the show, you are like death warmed over. And as soon as the the red light goes on, all pain leaves the body until you say good night. And it returns rather quickly. It's a weird experience. I have to say, you just don't know that you can do it. Three, two, one, you're on boom. And you're just, you get lost uh, in in what you have to do. And then it's the moment you say good night, the last syllable, boom, you're ready to fall over. Strange stuff. guys. So when you're on the ice playing, you might be healthy, but you can sniff out that somebody else is hurt.
1: Well, yes, Guy, because you can kind of see someone's not moving around the way they normally would. The other thing you can sniff out, Jimmy, is if someone had a big night the night before because that (laughs) odor seems to permeate all over the ice. And there was a few times throughout my career where you can kind of sniff out if someone had a big night the night before.
2: Well, so there had to be some, some verbiage tossed that play away was there <laughs> there there definitely was yes guy <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, guy, everything all right <laughs> yes guy yes
1: guy no guy you've coughed up a lung on the air uh, no guy
2: no i somehow I've, i'm flawless that way uh you know I, i've as I said before, I've worked pretty ill at times, but, but no, I've, if it's like a, a wall comes around you when, when you're on the air. you There's just this, you get steeled up, I guess. Is the, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but you have this wall that, that happens that you just don't let your, you don't let anything fall apart. So, so no, I've never had that problem. No, guy. <laughs> uh, yes, guy, no, guy. Uh, you uh, seek and destroy those that may be playing hurt. Um, well, you know what? That's It's so weird. It's such a terrible thing to say.
1: Uh, but there's a reason why trainers, coaches tell you to hide if you've taped a wrist or if you're injured because, yes, guy, that is something that teams will target. We saw it in the playoffs last year. How many times did yeah. guys try and take a hack at Leon Dreisaitl's ankles? It's just one of those things that's kind of deeply ingrained in, in our sporting um, culture, if you want to call it that. At the end of the day, Jimmy, if you put yourself on the ice or on the field, you're open to whatever that entails. And if guys know that you're a little banged up, you can be assured that they will be targeting whatever area might be hurt on you. So yes, guy. Uh, Jimmy, I know you've showed up to work under the weather. You haven't coughed up a lung on the air. But you've showed up to work with a limp and still gone on to do the
2: job. Uh, No, guy. Never had a limp. (laughs) My problems were elsewhere. <laughs> no, no, you never got
1: hurt in men's league. You never got hurt in men's league, and then had no, to show no, up to work limping no, around the Scotia Bank no, no, Arena. No,
2: no, no physical ailments. <laughs> Mine was all internal. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> pristine that way, guy. Not, not a broken limb. Yeah. Nothing.
1: <laughs> Lucky you. Um,
2: yeah. Yes, guy. No guy. Hockey players play hurt better than any other athlete.
1: Uh, I'm going to say yes, Guy, because you can get away with a little more playing hockey. You don't have to run, so you don't have the pounding on your knees and skating is a little bit of a different mechanism you can get by by gliding way more than other athletes can i mean if you're a basketball player a soccer player you got to cover a lot of the court or a lot of the field with with your feet in hockey you can get by here kind of um gliding around and and picking up and keeping your speed and even with the puck like i've played games with hurt fingers and, and hurt wrists and you know you can still provide something to your team even though you may not be able to shoot the puck the way you normally would so that's a that's an astute point and and hockey players can get by a little more if they are hurt um jimmy load management is dumb unless
2: you're actually hurt I'm gonna say yes, guy, to that. I don't, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, if it's like the work that we do here, the more you do, the easier it gets. So I'm gonna say that if you're an athlete, you get into a groove. Uh, unless you're really beat up uh, physically or emotionally, you should just keep playing. So I'm gonna say yes, guy, to that.
1: I agree, unless you're actually hurt and you're dealing with real ailments, like Kawhi was when he came over to Toronto. I thought that was executed executed perfectly. But unless you're hurt, man, like, get out there, get in a groove, because you don't want to be in this mental state where you're kind of in the fight and you're out of the fight. Like, you want to keep yourself in it if you can, if you're healthy and able to.
2: Okay, that's the end of it. Let's go out on, on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, Yes, guy.
1: guy.